morning. I do want to thank you for uh, inviting my wife Brenda and I to uh, to come and share with you from God's Word. Uh, It's uh, a real joy to be with you. And thank you for being so uh, welcoming. Uh, It's a little bit like coming home. So uh, thanks for the uh, outpouring of uh, uh, good wishes and uh, let's dive into God's Word together, shall we? I, uh, I want us to take a look together at the life of one of my heroes, one of the heroes of the faith, okay? Moses. And uh, I have to admit that any time I think of Moses, there are actually pictures that pop into my head, okay? I think of Moses, the miracle worker. Do you remember the story how God rescued his people from Israel out of slavery and he brought them as far as the Red Sea. And then the people were stuck, stuck between the Red Sea and the army of the Egyptians. And Moses raised his staff and the waters of the Red Sea parted and two million men, women, and children crossed on dry ground to safety. And I think of Moses, the lawgiver. God spoke to Moses. He led the people through the desert to Mount Sinai, and he, uh, he climbed the mountain, and on the top of that mountain, Moses met God. And God shared his ways, and he gave Moses his laws carved into a rock. And when Moses came off the mountain, he spoke the Word of God. And this ragtag group of slaves became the people of God. I think of Moses, the friend of God. Moses loved fellowshipping with God. He would spend time alone with God on the mountaintop, talking and listening The Bible says that Moses spoke with God face to face like a friend speaks with a friend. And when he left God's presence, his face would literally glow with the glory and the radiance of God and he had to wear a veil so that he wouldn't frighten the wits out of the people. I think of Moses surrounded by all of those famous Heroes of faith in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. All of the great men and women of faith working great things for God. And you you think of Noah. Noah gets one verse. You've got uh, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. All of them get one verse. Moses? Moses gets six. And it's easy to walk away from all of this thinking that Moses was always perfect, always upright, that Moses was always a superhero. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. And if you go all the way back to the beginning, if you read the story of Moses' call, what you'll see is that Moses was actually a man who was full of doubts, full of questions, and full of excuses. And actually, I think that should be an encouragement for us. Uh, The fact of the matter is, God's not looking 
for heroes. He's looking for fools. He's looking for weaklings. And he makes them into heroes. I, I want to share a verse with you from First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. Here's what Paul says. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And I think that's encouraging. Faith building is a process. God working in our lives day by day, giving us a faith that's growing and thriving. But there's also a warning here too. And I want us to dive into this text together. We're going to be looking at the third and fourth chapters of the book of Exodus. And we have God speaking from the burning bush. And he's inviting Moses to be a part of his rescue plan. But I guess you've probably figured out that Moses wasn't exactly a hero in that moment. He didn't say yes. He didn't say maybe. Instead, he gave excuse after excuse. And as we go through these excuses together... I think what we'll find is that it's a little bit like looking into a mirror. Because the excuses that Moses gave are the same ones that you and I give to God day by day. But it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, see, God lets us listen into the conversation. Okay, We get to hear every excuse that Moses makes. And we get to hear every time that God answers those excuses. And that's not just to entertain us. It's not so we can read the story and be entertained. It's to teach us. It's to build us up and equip us so that we can overcome those exact same excuses and doubts and questions when they crop up in our own lives and say yes to God. So let me set the stage. You heard uh, as our scripture was read a little bit ago, Moses has been uh, living and working uh, in the wilderness now for 40 years. Uh, his life as a prince of Egypt is a distant memory. He's a shepherd now. That's all he knows. And he's out with his flock, and he, uh, he sees a bush in the distance. And it's odd because the, the bush is burning, but it isn't burning up. And so he begins to approach the bush, and as he does, he hears God speak. And God has a plan. God has one of those big, God-sized plans. And he wants to bring his people up out of Egypt, and he calls Moses to be a part of that plan. So I'm going to pick up where we left off reading. Exodus Chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, if you want to read along with me. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
And that's where the excuses begin. Instead of saying yes, Moses asks a question. And it's a question that tells us a lot about exactly where his heart was and where his focus was. Keep reading. Read with me in verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I, God? Who am I to go to Pharaoh? Who am I to bring these people up out of Egypt? Who am I to lead a huge rescue operation like this? Who am I? I mean, that's really our first reaction, isn't it? Whenever God asks us to do something, it could be a call to full-time ministry. It could be a call to a ministry in the church. Maybe teaching or sharing a musical gift that God's given you. Working with the children or the youth. Whatever it is, there's a part of us that pushes back and says, Who am I? This thing, whatever it is, it's, it's too much. It's too big. I, I don't have the time or the talent or the confidence. Who am I, God, that you would ask me to do this? But see, God gives an answer. And His answer puts everything into perspective. Look with me at uh, verse 12. Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. Here's God's response. He said, But I will be with you. But I will be with you. And this will be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. You know, this whole story is a little bit too familiar. And we begin to lose the power of it and the meaning. But think about what's happening here. Moses is standing in the presence of the God of the universe. And when he says... Who am I? God says, Moses, it's not about you. You're looking in the wrong place. Stop looking at yourself. Your strengths, your talents, your resume, I will be with you. I'm the one who called you, Moses. It's my plan. And I promise. I'll see it through. I'll guide your steps. I'll give you my words. I'll provide everything that's required, Moses, to get the job done. It's not about you, Moses. It's about me. And see, that's where faith begins. We stop looking inside. We stop putting the spotlight on ourselves and we turn to God and we thank God for inviting us to be a part of His work. And we trust God to see His work through. We say yes to God. And that simple act of faith, that simple act of obedience, is exactly what God is looking for. I mean, the truth is, God can't use us if we're self-reliant. You've probably read... uh, 
2 Corinthians 12.10. Paul nails it right at the end of that verse. He says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. What he's saying is, I'm strongest when I'm weak. I'm strongest when I get out of the way. Why? Because when I get out of the way, God can do His thing. God is my strength. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about surrendering ourselves to God's will and trusting that the one who called you will be able to make your calling a success. So Moses gave his excuse. God answered. You'd think Moses would be energized and ready for the job, right? No. Now, look with me at uh, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Can I paraphrase this for you? What's Moses really saying? What if I'm not ready? What if I don't know all of the answers? Have you ever heard of the USA? The USA loved fishing. And they established schools and they studied all the different kinds of fish and how to catch them. They had libraries filled with books, all of the newest books about these things, the newest things. And they, they formed blue ribbon committees to investigate the best places to fish, the best times to fish, the best kind of bait. And when they were done, they wrote a report. Oh, it was a big report. And they invited everyone to come to the reading of the report. Everybody dressed up. There was a reception. I hear there was a buffet. The USA, the USA were always preparing but you know the really strange thing? They never actually went fishing. And they never caught any fish. We get caught up in this idea of preparing. But what God really wants from you and me is a heart that's willing and a heart that's obedient. And let God do the rest. I want to stop for a moment. I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not saying that you shouldn't study. I'm not saying that you shouldn't prepare. That's a part of any ministry. God wants us to be diligent, right, in everything we do. God wants us to work hard and give our best effort. What I'm saying is we can't put off answering the call of God because we think we're not ready. I mean, the simple truth is, in human terms, we're never ready. The important thing is to say yes and to trust God to make us ready in His way and His time. I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm a, a big fan of Jeremiah the prophet. Okay, And when God called Jeremiah, he was a teenager. And so the first thing that happens is this dialogue between God and this young teenager... And Jeremiah says, wait, wait God, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm too young. I'm only a, a boy. 
Now, God didn't say, you know what, Jeremiah? You're right. I'll come back in about ten years after you've grown up. No. God's expectation was that Jeremiah would say yes to the call right then and right there. And then in the days and the months and the years that followed, God developed Jeremiah's gifts and He grew Jeremiah's faith. And when the time was ready for Jeremiah to serve, Jeremiah was ready. But it begins by saying yes. Now, with all that in mind, look at the next verse. Chapter 3, verse 14. Because God has more to say. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And He said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. See, God answers this question of Moses, but it's interesting. He... uh, He gives Moses his name. But there's really more that he's saying. It's hard for us to to see it uh, because you have to dig into the customs and practices of the day. But in ancient times, giving someone your name was really a way of opening yourself up and revealing who you really were. And so God was answering Moses' question, but he was also saying, Moses, get to know me. The better you know me, the better equipped you'll be for the work I'm giving you to do. My name tells you who I am and what I'm like. I am, Moses. I am everything you need to get the job done. I am your courage. I am your strength. I am all of the answers to all of the questions you have. I am your source of joy. I am your rescue, Moses. And I am the rescue of my people. I'll make you ready, Moses. I'll give you success. Your part, Moses, your job is to trust me and walk with me. Amen? That's that's the formula. That's a pretty rousing speech from God. Pretty good locker room speech, right? You'd think Moses is ready now, all psyched up and ready for the work. No, no. He's not settled yet. So turn with me to to chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to me, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. What will the people think? What will the people say? Like it or not, that's a picture of every one of us. Right? We're so worried about what people are thinking, what people are saying. We're so desperate to be liked and we're so afraid of being criticized that we're constantly watching and listening and looking over our shoulders. And if we're careful, if we aren't careful, what happens is we become people pleasers instead of God pleasers. See, let me tell you the truth, okay? I'm going to drop the truth on you. 
Working for God isn't always popular. David. Remember David from the Old Testament? Anointed the king of Israel and spent the next 15 years running and hiding from King Saul. When Jeremiah preached, he was uh, threatened by the crowds. He was thrown into prison. And to top it all off, he was thrown into a muddy pit and left to die. When Nehemiah rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem, the enemies came and they threatened to attack. And so they had to uh, give every builder a sword or a spear just to protect themselves. And even Jesus was mocked. Remember, His enemies said He was a, a drunkard and a glutton and His life was threatened. And then in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Jesus says something. He's talking right to you and me. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. There will be trouble. There will be opposition. That's a fact. People are going to say things that are mean and hurtful and untrue. Not everyone will cheer us when we're doing the work of God. But God will. I guarantee that God will. He'll be your biggest cheerleader. He's going to work on the inside. He's going to give you assurance. He'll give you a sense of peace and comfort as you're walking faithfully in the work He's given you. But more than that, He'll work on the outside too. He'll authenticate His work. He'll make sure that people know it's God's work, not yours. They'll see it for themselves. Look uh, look again. Uh, Exodus chapter 4, verses uh, 2 and 3. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. See, God gave Moses signs to authenticate his work. He had a staff, and when he threw the staff onto the ground, it turned into a serpent. And if he took his hand and he put it inside his cloak and pulled it out again, it turned white with leprosy. What were those signs for? They were for the people. So that they could see these things for themselves with their own eyes, and they would know that it was God who was working. God authenticates His work. How did God authenticate David? Well, when the time was right... According to God's timetable, David took the throne and the the country was blessed through David. How did uh, God authenticate Jeremiah? Every single word he prophesied came true. How did God authenticate Nehemiah? In record time, two months flat, those walls went up. Twelve feet high, I think. Twelve feet, can you imagine? Working with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. You see, all of this should be an assurance for us as we're facing our own troubles and trials and opposition and naysayers. If we're faithful to God's call and God's work, He'll authenticate it. He'll prove that the work is His. So, 
exactly how is he going to authenticate his work and his calling in your life? I don't know. I don't know. But God does. And see, I want you to take this to heart. I want you to understand how freeing this is. Okay? You don't have to worry. It's not your worry. It's God's. We don't have to focus on all of the negativity. We can put all of our focus and all of our energy into doing the work that God's given us to do. See, the man or the woman who answers the call of God is a God-pleaser, not a people-pleaser. Listen, I love this verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul writing to this group of believers in Thessalonica. Listen to what he says. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. How? Not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. See, what matters first and always is being obedient and faithful to the call and the work that God's given you. Being a God pleaser and having a heart to want to faithfully be the worker, the the man or woman that God's called you to, to be and to do that work. So that brings us now to verse 10. Unfortunately, Moses still doesn't get it. Alright, so Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. (laughs) You can can almost hear it in modern English, right? God, wow, I know you were looking for a speaker, uh, someone with a golden tongue, and and I'm sorry, I don't know how it happened, but you made a mistake. You you picked me instead. Maybe something got mixed up in the mail. Have you ever told God he's made a mistake? See, there's a popular saying that helps us see all of this from God's perspective. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the ones He calls. See, we always try to limit God. And I've fallen into this same way of thinking. You know, we, we think that God's like the head of the, the human resources department. Okay, so he's, he's got his resumes and he's sorting through those resumes and he's looking for just the right fit, right? Just the right qualifications. But can I tell you something? God is God. <laughs> he has His own plans. He has His own purposes. And listen to this. He looks at the heart. He's not looking at the resume. He's looking at the heart. You may remember this story from uh, the Old Testament where Samuel is sent to Jesse's house. And God tells Samuel that the next king of Israel is one of Jesse's boys. And so Samuel's job is to anoint this king. And so one by one, these young men are paraded in front of Samuel. Tall, strong, and good-looking. And every time one of them passes, 
Samuel's like, that has got to be the one. That has got to be God's pick. And God rebukes Samuel. Listen to what he says in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, he's looking at the heart. And I want you to see how God answered uh, Moses when he uh, threw out this excuse. Verses uh, 11 and 12, Moses says, I'm not eloquent. I'm not the right guy for the job. Here's what, uh, here's what God says. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. God says, I, I know this is a speaking gig, but who do you think created your mouth? Earlier, God said, I will be with you. And now, He says, I will be with your mouth. Isn't that interesting? God always goes right for the place where we're struggling. I'll help you, Moses. I'll help you when you're speaking. I'll be right beside you. I'll touch your mouth. I'll even give you the right words. You don't have to worry, Moses. The one who called you is the one who will be with you. I'll give you my presence. I'll give you my boldness. And Moses, I'll even give you my words. So you and I, we're exactly like Moses. We spend too much time looking at our shortcomings and making excuses for why we can't answer God's call but the truth is, with the call of God comes the equipping of God. With the call of God comes the enabling of God. And listen, God knows where your struggle is. God knows exactly where you think you come up short. And He tells you the same thing He told Moses. I'll be with you. Whatever your weakness is, whatever you think it is that makes you doubt yourself and doubt your ability to do what God wants you to do, God says, that's exactly where I'll be. He's the all-knowing God, so He already knows it. He's the all-powerful God, so He has every provision in the world to make it work. He'll provide whatever's lacking. He'll be with you. That's His promise. Take him at his word. I would love to think that that was enough to just push Moses right out into the field. He's ready. Ready for the work. But uh, this last excuse is the best one of all. Uh, verse 13. Exodus chapter 4, verse 14. Listen to this. Verse 13, I'm sorry. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Uh, 
Can I uh, cut through all the sugar coating? What's he really saying? God, I, I don't want to do it. Moses, this great hero of the faith, said no to God. And that may be exactly where you are. All of your excuses, all of your dialoguing with God, it may just be a cover, a mask. Because if we looked deep inside your heart, what we'd really see is that you're just not willing to do it. Now, I know some of you in the room uh, are friends of mine on Facebook from years ago. And, uh, you know, I post all of those pictures of my angelic granddaughters. They're not always angelic. Okay, can I just share that with you? And uh, I remember especially as, as those two girls were going through their terrible twos. Anybody been around a two-year-old? Okay, so you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, what's a two-year-old's favorite word? No. <laughs> not just your regular run-of-the-mill no, but an emphatic no. And I, I used to laugh at them, but... Sometimes yeah, they would stomp their little feet. I remember Melody would actually put her hand on her hip and just look eyeball to eyeball, and out it came. No! And I know this is going to sound a little bit insulting, but that's you and me. <laughs> that's the way we relate sometimes to God. We know what God wants, but we'd rather argue with God and wrestle with God than to say yes. Can I make this easy for you? You can't win when you're wrestling with God. Uh, let me just read this, what verse 14 tells us. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Um, I read what, what a commentator had to say. It was interesting. God wasn't angry when Moses asked, Who am I? He wasn't angry when Moses asked, Who should I say sent me? He wasn't angry when Moses disbelieved God's word. He wasn't even angry when Moses falsely claimed that he wasn't eloquent. But God was angry when Moses was just plain unwilling. You know what uh, God's final word to Moses is? I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit. But it goes something like this. Enough is enough, Moses. Just do it. I've given you everything, Moses. I've given you a job to do. I've encouraged you. I've equipped you. I've answered every question, every doubt. Now it's time to put one foot in front of the other. Step out, Moses. Just do it. And there may be somebody in the room right now, you're just like Moses, you're comfortable, you're comfortable right where you are, and you don't like the idea of God interrupting your life. Can I be blunt? It's not your life. It's not your life. If you've come to faith in Jesus, you belong to Him. You were bought with a price. The Son of God died in your place. He took your sins to the cross. And He, he didn't die 
so you could sit on your holy hands. He saved you to serve. He saved you so you could fulfill your God-given purpose. Stop wrestling with God. Stop arguing with God and throwing out every excuse you can think of. Say yes. Say yes to His call. Say yes to His plans. Say yes to the glorious purposes that He has in mind. Say yes and then step out with Him. A step of obedience. God will honor that. And as we come to a close, I've just got a couple of questions for you. And then we'll have a hymn of invitation. First question's really the most important. Do you have a real personal relationship with Jesus? Is He your Savior? See, God's in the business right now of saving and calling. His first call is always to become one of His children. You're saved by God's grace through faith in His Son, Jesus, turning away from your sins and trusting Him and Him alone for your salvation. He died to give you life and hope and a future. Will you say yes to Jesus and the eternal life that He offers? Number two, if you're a Christian, you thought you were off the hook, didn't you? If you're a believer in Jesus, if you've answered the call in your own life, are you fulfilling that call? Or are you like Moses? Are you paralyzed with doubts and questions and excuses? If that's you, I pray that God's spoken to you today, emboldening your faith. But if you're still struggling, there's an altar right here. And just like Moses, you can speak face to face with the God of the universe right here. He'll meet you here, one to one, face to face.